Numbers chapter number 13 this morning. The book of Numbers chapter number 13. We're going to begin reading with the 25th verse. Amen. I believe we do have a PowerPoint this morning because it's a separate program from the worship. That's why one is working and the other is not. Numbers chapter number 13 this morning began reading with verse number 25. And they returned from spying out the land after 40 days. Now they departed and came back to Moses and Aaron and all the congregation of the children of Israel in the wilderness of Paran at Kadesh. They brought back word to them and to all the congregation and showed them the fruit of the land. And Then they told him and said, we went to the land where you sent us. It truly flows with milk and honey, and this is its fruit. Nevertheless, the people who dwell in the land are strong. The cities are fortified and very large. Moreover, we saw the descendants of Anak there, verse 29. The Amalekites dwell in the land of the south. The Hittites, the Jebusites, and the Amorites dwell in the mountains. Canaanites dwell by the sea and along the banks of the Jordan. Then Caleb quieted the people before Moses and said, Let us go up at once and take possession, for we are well able to overcome it. But the men who had gone up with him said, We are not able to go up against the people, for they are stronger than we. And they gave the children of Israel a bad report of the land which they had spied out, saying, The land through which we have gone as spies is a land that devours its inhabitants. And all the people whom we saw in it are men of great stature. There we saw the giants, the descendants of Anak, came from the giants, and we were like grasshoppers in our own sight, and so we were in their sight. Chapter 14. So all the congregation lifted up their voices and cried, and the people wept that night. And all the children of Israel complained against Moses and Aaron, And the whole congregation said to them, If only we had died in the land of Egypt, or if only we had died in this wilderness. Why has the Lord brought us into this land to fall by the sword, that our wives and our children should become victims? Would it not be better for us to return to Egypt? And so they said to one another, Let us select a leader and return to Egypt. Hmm. Could stop right there, but I'll keep going. Then Moses and Aaron fell on their faces before all the assembly of the congregation of the children of Israel. But Joshua, the son of Nun, and Caleb, the son of, of Jephunneh, who were among those who had spied out the land, tore their clothes. And they spoke to all the congregation of the children of Israel and said, The land we pass through to spy out is an exceeding good land. If the Lord delights in us, then he will bring us into this land And give it to us, a lamb that flows with milk and honey. Only do not rebel against the Lord, nor fear the people of the land, for they are our bread. Their protection has departed from them, and the Lord is with us. Do not fear them. But all the congregation said to stone them with stone. This morning I'm using as my subject today fear versus faith. Fear versus faith. Father, we love you today. We praise you today. Father, we thank you, Lord, for 
the word of the Lord, Father. Thank you, Father, that, that your word is so powerful, Father. Lord, we thank you that the word of the Lord, Lord, holds all of the answers. God, I just pray today for those, Lord, that are, that are living in fear, those that are bowing and cowing, cowering down to fear today. Father, I pray in the name of Jesus, Lord, that, that, that they will exercise their fear and not their faith. Let your blessing rest upon this message and upon this messenger today. We ask in Jesus' name, all of God's people said, praise the Lord. You may be reseated this morning. Friend, a battle rages inside of every man. Will he act in fear or faith? Fear caused the army of Israel to refuse the challenge of the giant named Goliath. Faith placed David face to face with him. Fear kept 11 of the 12 disciples, kept them in the safety and in the comfort of the boat. Faith Caused Peter to step out of the boat and onto the water. I need some help this morning. Fear kept ten of the twelve spies out of the promised land. Faith brought Caleb and Joshua in. You see, in every single situation of life, a battle rages. It is fear versus faith. And fear will keep you out. And fear will will drag you down and fear will stop you in your tracks. But on the other hand, faith will open doors and faith will remove obstacles and faith will take you in. So the question of the, that I have this morning for us today is which will it be? Will it be fear or faith? Our fear is in a battle with our faith and which one will win out in our I want us to take a a look this morning at these two opponents and uh, I want us to look at them this morning. We're going to look at some characteristics of each one of these. First of all, we're going to look at some of the characteristics of fear. Now I want to point out four things this morning that fear does. And all four of these things can be found in our text. Let me suggest first of all this morning that fear minimizes evidence. It minimizes evidence. Verses 27 and 28. Then they told Moses, we went to the land where you sent us. And it truly flows with milk and honey. And here is its fruit. They had been there. They had seen with their own eyes. They, they, They had even brought back with them evidence of the incredible provision and possibility that awaited them there. They lay at Moses' feet all types and kinds of delicious fruit. Uh, Oh, they are sick and tired of eating manna every single day. And here is this delicious fruit of the promised land. And it is just sitting there and waiting on them. But fear minimizes evidence. Verse 27, we went to the land. And yes, it flows with milk and honey. And here is some of the fruit. Here is evidence of how awesome and incredible and unbelievable the land is. Here is evidence of what awaits us in that incredible land. Verse 28, nevertheless. Fear has a way of shrinking everything that is possible. 
Possibilities may be ginormous. How but fear reduces those possibilities. How fear can see a problem in every solution. (laughs) Perhaps this morning God has called you to do something. Perhaps God has called you to be a part of something. Perhaps God wants to take you somewhere. And the evidence is clear. The evidence is clear. The green light is on in your spirit. All expectations are high. And then... And then fear shows up, and fear minimizes evidence. Fear says, yes, 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 there's the fruit. Yes, yes, you can see the fruit. Yes, you can see the potential. You can see the possibilities. Oh, you can see the provision. Yes, yes, yes. Nevertheless, not only does fear minimize evidence, but let me suggest the second thing fear does, fear makes excuses. Verse 28, nevertheless, the people who dwell on the land, they are strong. The cities are fortified and very large, and the giants are there. See, fear will look right past the evidence and start making excuses. Yes, they agreed. The land was an incredible land. Oh, the land had unlimited potential and incredible provision. Oh, it was everything God said it was and even more, but... Say, but. But, they said, the people, the cities, the walls, the giants. Fear makes excuses. I'll never forget my greatest struggle in ministry. Had many struggles in ministry, but my greatest struggle in my life in ministry, I'll never forget it. It was my call to leave a well-established, a thriving church, to leave it and go somewhere I had never been in my entire life and start a church with nothing. That was the greatest struggle I ever had in my ministry. Well, let me tell you, first of all, it was appealing. It was appealing. I'm, I'm a type A personality. We're the take charge, take the bull by the horns kind of personality. I'm type A, and as type A personality, we thrive on a challenge. Each new mountain has to be bigger than the last. At first, I was excited, something new, something fresh, something different. Oh, a bigger challenge, a bigger mountain to climb than I had ever climbed. Oh, in my ministry before, at first, I was elated, I was excited, I was thrilled, I was motivated, I was ready to go. And then, fear showed up. And fear began making me excuses as to why I shouldn't do what I felt in my heart I was called by God to do. Fear said things like, are you going to walk away from the biggest church you have ever pastored? This church is three times larger than any other church you've ever pastored. And you're in the driver's seat and and you can just stay here and spend your entire ministry here. And everything's going well and great and awesome. And are you willing to walk away from the biggest church you've ever had? You may never have a church like this ever again. Fear began to say things like, are you willing to walk away from the security of a beautiful home and a wonderful ministry and a, and a great salary? 
Fear began to say things like, what about your kids? Have you really thought this thing through? What about your kids? What's going to happen to them? How are you going to feed them? Fear began to say things like, you've never started a church from scratch before. What in the world makes you think you can do this? Fear makes excuses. And as clear as I heard the voice of God calling me to go do that, sometime later I also heard the voice of the enemy. And, or, excuse me, I heard God speak to me again. Let me t- clear that up. I, I, I heard God initially, but the devil began to speak into my heart and give me all kinds of excuses. And one day I heard God speak to me again, and very clearly he said to me, if excuses will keep you from obeying me, Satan will make sure you have one. When God called Moses to go before Pharaoh and demand the release of his people. Oh, when Moses began to contemplate, when he began to think about all of the negative ramifications that could happen when he stands before Pharaoh and demands that all of Pharaoh's labor force, his, uh, uh, the children of Israel who were slaves in Egypt, uh, when, when, when Moses began to think about all the ramifications of him standing before Pharaoh and demanding the release of the people of God, fear took over. Fear took over and fear began to make excuses for Moses. And Moses parroted those excuses and he said, God, I can't go before Pharaoh because I stutter. How about you this morning? Are you allowing fear to make excuses as to why you cannot obey God in your life? Not only does fear minimize evidence and make excuses. Number three this morning, fear magnifies enemies. Fear magnifies enemies. Verse 28, nevertheless, the people, the people, the cities, the giants. Verse 29, oh, the Amalekites, the Hittites, the Jebusites, the Amorites, the Canaanites, not to mention the Calamites and all the other ites. Verse 33, we saw giants and we were like grasshoppers in our own sight. You see, fear magnifies the enemy. Fear will blow everything out of proportion. Fear will, will, will cause you to see the enemy, will cause you to see the situation as if you are looking through a magnifying glass. Fear distorts our vision and we see things much bigger than they really are. Sometimes it's good to get a fresh set of eyes. I said, sometimes it's good to get a fresh set of eyes. Some, someone that loves us and someone that we can trust. Oh, we need to ask them to, to take a look at our situation and see if they see what we are seeing. Or are we, through fear, blowing things up and out of proportion? Notice one more thing that fear does this morning. Fear magna, uh, maximizes emotions. It maximizes emotions. Chapter 14, verse 1 through 4. So all the congregation lifted up their voices and cried, and the people wept that night. And all the children of Israel complained against Moses and Aaron, and the whole congregation said to them, If only we had died in the land of Egypt, or if only we had died here in this wilderness, why has the Lord brought us to this land to fall by the sword that our wives and children should become victims? Would it not be better for us to return to Egypt? So they said to each other, let us select a leader and return to 
Egypt. In verse 10, and all the congregation said to stone them with stones. Friend, fear causes our emotions to go into overdrive. Fear causes us to overreact, how to feel more than we should feel, to respond in irrational ways. Fear makes you see what isn't there, and it causes you to hear what wasn't said, and it causes you to feel what you should not be feeling. Can you see why fear is such a valuable weapon of the enemy? First John 14 says, fear produces torment. All right, we talked enough about fear this morning. Now let's talk a little bit about faith. Talk about faith for a little bit this morning. I I gave you four things about fear. Now let me give you four things about faith. Let me suggest, first of all, faith is mission motivated. Faith is mission motivated. Numbers chapter 14 and verse 7, Joshua and Caleb said, The land, say the land. The land is exceedingly good. You see, faith focuses on the mission. Faith focuses on what could be. Fear looks around and sees all of the obstacles. Faith looks beyond the obstacles and focuses on the mission and focuses on what could be. When I came here to pastor, I didn't focus on the obstacles. And there were many, many obstacles. But I refused to focus on the obstacles. I Instead, I looked beyond the obstacles and I focused on the mission. And I focused on what could be. I remember my wife and I, before even being elected here, we both of us said simultaneously, almost at the very same time, we looked at each other and we said, in two years, the situation could be totally turned around. One year and nine months later, we moved into this building, and the rest, as they say, is history. Fear looks around and sees the walled cities. Fear looks around and sees the giants. Fear looks around and looks at all of the obstacles. But faith, faith looks beyond the obstacles. Faith puts its head down and just begins to grind and keep on grinding. I said faith just puts its head down and starts grinding and just keeps on grinding and keeps on grinding. Faith has tunnel vision. All it can see is what is on the other side of the wall. All it can see is what is on the other side of the obstacle. And faith just keeps on keeping on until it brings, it bores through to the other side. Oh, something else about faith this morning. Faith is master-minded. Master-minded. Chapter 14 of Numbers, verse 8 and 9. If, if the Lord delight in us, if what? If the Lord delight in us, He, He will bring us into this land. Who will? He will. He will bring us into this land and give it to us. He will do what? He'll give it to us. Verse 9. Don't rebel against the Lord. The Lord is with us. With who? With us. Faith is master minded. Faith doesn't calculate the odds. Faith doesn't count and, and see uh, oh, oh uh, who has the biggest army. Faith doesn't rationalize and try and make everything line up logically. Uh, oh listen friend, it wasn't logical for a teenager named David all five foot and something and 135 pounds soaking wet. Uh, it wasn't logical for this teenage boy to go up against a nine or ten foot giant named Goliath. 
It didn't calculate well. Goliath, a giant, armed from head to toe, the champion. He wasn't just a giant, he was the champion of all of the giants. Experienced in battle. Versus David, a teenager, most say around 17 or so, with a slingshot and a pocket full of rocks. But because of David's faith, he was master-minded. 1 Samuel 17, verse 45, David said to the giant Goliath, You come to me with a sword, you come to me with a spear, you come to me with a javelin. David said to the giant, you come to me with all of your armor, you come to me with all of your skill, you come to me with all of your ability, you come to me with years of experience, you come to me with all of the stuff that you have, you're well equipped. But David said, I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts, I come to you in the name of the God of the armies of Israel. You see, fear measures the size of the mountain, faith measures the size of the master. Caleb and Joshua told the people, so what that there's walled fortified cities? So what that there are giants there? So what that there are obstacles to overcome? Don't look at the size of the mountain. Look at the size of the master. Some of you here today are fearful and fear has caused you to focus on your mountain and focus on the size of the mountain. Hear me this morning, stop operating in fear and start operating in faith. I said stop operating in fear and start operating in faith. Fear says that your giant is too big to hit. Faith says he's too big to miss. Faith says, I have the master with me. Faith says, as long as I have the master with me, all will be well. Doesn't matter how tall the mountain is, I have the master. Doesn't matter what the odds, that the odds are stacked against me 10 trillion to 1. It doesn't matter, amen, because I've got the master with me. And I'm not coming in my own strength. I'm not coming in my own power. not coming in my own ability. I'm not coming in my own self. But I'm coming in the name of the Lord. I'm focused on the master and my master is with me. And if my master is with me, amen, we're going to overcome. Paul said it this way, Romans 8 and 37, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. That's an interesting scripture, isn't it? I think we would more understand it if it said we are conquerors through Christ. We don't understand that. But what does it mean to be more? Than a, how can you be more? You're a conqueror. How can you be more than a conqueror? Well, we understand that like this maybe, or I do at least. By thinking about what a conqueror is. And there's a lot of illustrations we could use for a conqueror, but let me suggest the conqueror might be that, that heavyweight boxer. That heavyweight boxer. And for six months, for six months he trains. He runs and he runs and he runs and he runs and he runs. And he hits that punching bag a million times. And he jumps rope and he does all kinds of exercises and he pumps weight. And he's got a trainer beating on him and, you know, pushing him to the very, very limit. And for six months' time, man, I mean, he's training, he's training, he's sweating, man. He's sweating and he's building his muscles and he's building his endurance. And, man, it's a, it's a long, hard process. And finally, finally, the day comes for the fight. 
And he enters into the ring. And he does 15 grueling rounds. 15 rounds where he's punching and being punched. Oh, he gets that left hook and he gets that right cross. And he might even be on the canvas a time or two. And oh man, I mean he might even start bleeding. And his trainer, he's got to got to stop the bleeding. And man, you know, he's got bruises on his body, man. And he's sweating. And man, he's laboring. And he's punching. And he's, he's doing everything. He's grueling it out, man. And at the end of 15 rounds, and when he hears, and when he hears that last bell, and when it's over, and the announcer comes, and the announcer announces who the winner is. And he is the winner. And the They bring him to the center of the ring and they put up his hands as the champion. And man, they come to him and they put a winner's belt around him. And they hand him a a check for a million dollars. He's a champion, amen? He's a champion. He is a champion. He is a conqueror. He has conquered. He has defeated his enemy. Well, we understand what a conqueror is. What is more than a conqueror? I would suggest to you that more than a conqueror is that little 125-pound wife at home. She hasn't trained one day. She hasn't sweated one drop. She hasn't dropped one uh, ounce of blood. She hasn't taken one punch. She hasn't entered the ring. She hasn't trained. She hasn't grueled. She hasn't worked. She hasn't done anything. Amen. She hasn't entered the ring with him. Amen. She hasn't done any of the fighting. But when it all is said and done, and when he stands there with the belt around him, and the, and the winner's million dollars in his hand, there she is outside of the ring. Amen. And he puts that check in her hand. And she is more than a conqueror. I want to tell you that on the cross of Calvary, Jesus Christ fought and won the battle for us today. I'm telling you that every battle and every situation of life, I'm telling you that the battle has already been fought. Amen. The battle has already been fought. We're more than a conqueror. Jesus is the conqueror. He has conquered this morning. But we as the children of God, amen, we have our recipient of His blessing and what He has done for us. That makes us more than a conqueror. Give the Lord a shout of praise in his house today. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen. That check ain't signed, baby. (laughs) Talking about faith right now. Faith, mission-motivated, master-minded. Faith mocks the enemy. Mocks the enemy. Numbers chapter 14, verse 9. Don't fear the enemy. They are helpless prey. They have no protection. The Lord is with us. Don't be afraid of them. In 1 Samuel 17 and 46, David said to the giant Goliath, Today the Lord has delivered you into my hand, boy. Hey, big boy. He said, I'm going I'm to strike you. And hey, big boy, I'm going to take off your head. I'm cutting your head off. Then I'm going to write a book on how to get ahead. Amen. Hey, big boy, hey man, God has given you to me and I'm going to cut your head off today. And hey, big boy, I'm going to feed your people to the birds of the air and the beasts of the field. Help me understand that faith mocks the enemy. Why do we treat our enemies with so much respect? I was thinking about this. Maybe it might be because we might 
just want to trade sides. We just might want to trade sides and join our enemy if it begins to appear that we might be losing. So we better be nice to our enemy. Hmm. Let me ask you this. Do we even have any enemies? Do we even have any enemies? Or are we like the chameleon lizard that is able to change colors to be able to blend in with whatever it is surrounded Whatever surrounds it, it can just blend in and change colors. Do we have any enemies? Does the people of God, does the church of God, do we have any enemies? Or are we just like the world? And we know how to blend in. We know how to be churchy. And we know how to be worldly. Do we have enough faith to mock our enemies? Notice the last thing about faith today. Faith. Moves you into the promised land. Caleb and Joshua were the only ones out of the 12 spies. Out of 12 spies that went and checked out the land, spied out the land, Caleb and Joshua were were the only ones of the 12 that were allowed to enter into the promised land. The other 10 died in the wilderness. Well, they don't have anything to complain about. That's what they said they wanted. Why do we come out here anyway? We'd been better off to stay in Egypt or we'd be better off to die in the wilderness. God said, you think you're better off? There you go. Friend, the devil uses a lot of different weapons and strategies to stop Assured of God's best for our lives. And one of his most powerful and most effective weapon is the weapon of fear. But the good news today is God has weapons too. God has weapons too. And one of his most effective weapons is the weapon of faith. Faith is the only weapon that is more powerful than fear. Oh, no, Pastor, prayer is more more powerful and, and, and praise is more powerful and, and the word is more powerful. Not without faith behind it. Seeing all you want, nothing will happen without faith. Read this all you want, it will do no good without faith. Pray all you want without faith, you won't do any good. Faith is the only weapon that is more powerful than fear. Only through faith. Faith can the weapon of fear be destroyed. Friend, David wasn't more powerful than Goliath, but his faith in God was. 1 John 5 and 4, every child of God, say every. Every child of God can defeat this evil world. And we achieve this victory through our faith. Jesus said in Mark 9 and 23, if you can believe or if you you have faith, all things, how many things? All things are possible to him who believes, or all things are possible to those who have faith. Pastor Braden, if you could get back to the keyboard, please. The theme of my message today is fear versus faith. And that's exactly what is going on in a lot of lives here today. And it's exactly what goes on in all of our lives from time to time. And the question for the day is, which will it be? Will it be fear or will it be faith? 
Which of these are going to win out in your life? Will you choose to bow to fear? Will you allow fear to overcome you? Will you allow fear to paralyze you and stop you in your tracks and keep you out of your promised land and deny you of your God-ordained destiny? Or are you willing to fight fear with faith? You see, nobody escapes fear. No one escapes fear. Fear. We all experience fear to some degree. But fear must be overcome. And faith and only faith can overcome fear. So what's it going to be this morning? Is it going to be fear or faith? Which will you choose? Fear or faith? Father, I thank you for the word this morning. Father, I believe that this is the word that is... T- was intended by...